Special educator Rita Pearson said, Every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection, and insists that they become the best that they can possibly be. I'm Danielle. I'm Raleigh. And this is Unstuck, the special education podcast. It's cold. When I tried with mother, everything changed. You know what? Good kudos to that kid. For those of you who love TikTok and have yet to see this video on your for you page, I apologize because it is literally what I've been watching the last three days. <laughs> and, and I am not a regular TikTok consumer, but I've seen the video. I, we were actually just saying how it's interesting that that video is really what what makes it so awesome is that it's a child talking about corn. If that was your uncle talking about corn, you might not feel so, that same way. You might feel a little uncomfortable with it. What I what I also appreciate about the child is that he said not everyone has to like it. And the second yeah, part, that's so right. there's another part of the video that talks about other games that he likes. But corn is his favorite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he said, and the interviewer said. Um, you know, does everyone does everyone have to like it? And he's like, no, not everyone has to like it, but they should all try it. Yeah, and I feel it's like that's a, it's fair. a very innocent and genuine reaction. In I think it's perfection for uh, where we are in the state of education. Period. Mm-hmm. Special education, even more. I'd like you to make the link between corn and special education. <laughs> I just means it makes it makes people happy. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just it makes us all smile, and it's been stuck in my head for three days. So anytime I'm struggling with something, I just think corn. It's corn. It's corn. It's corn. It's corn. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, so Rita Pearson actually does a TED talk. I highly recommend it. It's pretty inspirational. It talks about every kid needing a champion and I have shown it for years at different professional developments Um, I saw it as a teacher and it really reminded me or grounded me to where I am today and why I do what I do so is that what you'd like to talk about today Sure, let's talk about it. Why we do what we do. I'm going to give a shout out to my brother for for giving us this idea. So thank you, Nate. Um, Because, you know, I think it probably could have been something we talked about one of the first episodes, but I think when people get to listen to you for a while, they may be a little more invested in knowing where you're coming from rather than like, oh, who are these two people telling us all about themselves? Not that that's a bad thing, but, you know. Well, I hope we can provide a little bit of entertainment because the, the state of education right now is just so challenging and we all know what they are. I mean, before we hopped on, we were talking about the struggles with hiring people and the teacher shortages and mm-hmm. the Paris shortages. So, you know, we'll talk about that another day. I feel like we talk about that kind of stuff a lot. So I think it's nice to know where we came from and how we yeah, got to how we got to be here where we are today yeah so you want to you want to start there i mean sure it's it, it's not that interesting but i'm going to try to spice it up as much as i can um so obviously I, I am an occupational therapist if anybody's listened long enough they know that about me i've been doing that for about 25 years and i originally did not go to school for that um did not even think that necessarily i was going to work with children um and didn't even having like I had some experience with kids babysitting and things like that but didn't have any sort of real um 
aspirations towards that. Um, I actually wanted to be an eye doctor, so weirdly, <laughs> I did not go to school for that. Um, but that was my that was my thing. I thought was so cool putting that stuff over your like wow, you can put this thing over their eyes and you can like shine the light in. I just thought that was really neat. But there's a lot more to what it. What about than that. when you like put the eye drops in and people yeah. can't see? Yeah, the glaucoma test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It just really like, really got you excited. Yeah, well, and then when, even to this day, as like a woman of a certain age, I go get my eyes tested and the, the doctor like shows the, the image of your eye that looks like it's a planet. And I'm like, that's the coolest thing ever. It's probably like this person's got to get out more. Um, and so that was like kind of what I was thinking when I was younger. And then I did go, um, to college to be a physical therapist. And I thankfully, um, did not always have the grades necessary to maintain that, um, degree. So I had to quickly think on my feet to change it up. And I actually think that was, um, really the best thing that ever happened because what I realized I loved about occupational therapy was the holistic approach. And it wasn't just about muscles and, and, um, functionality with muscles and kind of rehab and getting people back into whatever they were doing prior physically, um, which is a great field and don't get me wrong. And I think there's plenty of work people can do with children. Um, but I liked the, the mind aspect. I liked the psychological cognitive aspect of being an OT. And so that actually was a, um, nice switch that I was able to make. And so, you know, as part of that programming, you have to do some, they call them affiliations back in my day, but internship type things where you had to go into different, uh, realms of OT and decide kind of what made you excited about the, the job. And I'll tell you that I wasn't thrilled about being an outpatient rehab. That was interesting and on some level, but not my cup of tea. Again, very physical. Um, of course, the one I liked the best was being in a school. And so I realized, wow, kids, for some reason, I don't know what it is. I, we, you and I always talk about the aura. Kids sort of flock to me. I don't know. I don't know why. So I, and I always liked engaging with them. So whenever I was on an internship or I was learning about school, uh, kids in schools, um, I was very easy. It was very easy for me to integrate with them and work with them. And, um, I just decided that was really a passion of mine. Um, but how I got into more of the mental health piece was that when I moved um, up to Massachusetts, there was a very big shortage of OT positions and I kind of had to take what I could get. And so I cobbled some things together. And one of the jobs I had was working with, um, kids with, uh, emotional behavioral concerns and issues and mental health issues that were part of, as part of an after school program. And I realized, yeah, I really like, I like this. Um, and then when a job became available within a school for kids with those types of that type of presentation, I realized that was, you know, definitely a passion of mine, but then underline bold and italics, uh, italics, italics, italics. I actually did that already today once to some colleagues. I was like, let's italicize this. And they're like, what are you, or italicies. And they're like, what are you talking about? Italics, um, that I loved, 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 and still do working with kids on the autism spectrum. So I'm lucky that my job gives me all those sorts of opportunities. I think we were just talking, me and some colleagues today about how I know you're a fit for this type of job or working with certain types of kids. If you can just find the humor in pretty much everything they say and do. So it's corn makes us laugh. Um, and instead, of Wait, getting, did you show it to them? Oh yeah, they've seen it. Oh, yeah. um, but instead of you know becoming frustrated immediately or impatient or not understanding, not flexible, you find it funny and you embrace that and you use what you can with your connections with kids to make um, the relationship work and then you can use that to benefit their progress. It all just makes sense to me and I just love all aspects of that. So that's where I landed. Wait, so uh, when you went to PT school, did they also have to go see cadavers? 
Yes. So yeah, I did have, yeah, they actually think they had to do more than we did. We just had to look at a dissect. We had to dissect an arm or we didn't dissect the arm. We, so I think that was the difference. I think they might have actually dissected it. We just had to look at it dissected already. So we didn't have to do the dissection there. We had to do a cat and a frog and there might've been one other one, but no, we, that was the creepiest thing ever. So yeah. yeah, So way back in the day, um, there, well, the the other thing was using microfiche and microfilm, but that's another story. Um, so the school I went to, um, did not have, I guess I can just, can I say it? Yes. Oh, Quinnipiac. Okay. Shout out to Quinnipiac. Um, it so was college back then. It's it was now a college, university. now it's a university. Yes. Um, but still very well, you know, renowned for their OT and PT programming. So again, very lucky to be able to go there. Um, and so Yale was nearby and that's where they had, obviously it's Yale. So that was the cadaver lab that we would go to. And I always say it was like the perfect horror movie venue. Cause for whatever reason, maybe it's just in my recollection of it, but I really think this is probably accurate to some extent um they it was like this cold room with the cadavers in it and like a solitary light hanging from the ceiling and it just like the whole aura of being there it just smell felt weird it smelled weird definitely smelled like formaldehyde um the whole aspect of like the whole idea of it was very overwhelming to think like i'm learning to be an occupational therapist and now fast forward like i'm working with children don't know why you know i know i understand why i need to know about the anatomy of an arm as an ot but it was just such a surreal thing and so you'd have these cadavers under cover under uh, you know you didn't get to see them physically but they would bring the arm and put it on top of the cadaver and they would all it would all be dissected and you would be studying and then we had a test and we had to go to Yale and there's little pins and all the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments and you have to identify what all of it is and it was just a a a really like I don't know if they still do that but that was definitely a big piece I mean I think they've brought a lot of things in-house not that they have cadavers (laughs) I don't assume that they do but we had to just do a lot out um but, you know, Yale was a great resource for us because, again, this is pre, like, looking everything up on the Internet. So we would go to Yale to the library and, of course, the microfiche and microfilm mm. books. I don't know if anybody knows what those a are. Library. Yeah, you had to actually have a textbook with information. So you were looking at something that might have been written five years ago. Even now, I have all these old textbooks. I'm like, I probably could get rid of this because I could probably find this on the Internet if I needed yeah, it. I'm pretty sure I don't need, it. like, you know, OT and the child from 1990. I probably could get rid of that. Were there other um, areas that you could have sort of interned at or like are there specific besides the outpatient or working with children or I'm assuming working with older people in rehabs as well I don't know or just rehabs in general but yeah I mean there's spe- a lot of specializations so I, yeah I think what I realized is that I definitely wanted to work with kids or or the elderly and I realized working with the elderly was like really challenging for me because of it was just like emotional it's it, there there's just a different level of of patience and kind of emotion that goes with that um, one of the internships I did do was on a um, inpatient psych floor so they had adolescents on one and they had um like adults chronic you know mental health patients with chronic mental health issues on another floor so there was myself and another um, OT student they put me on the floor with the adults and she was on the floor with the teens but I also got to kind of and we were doing a lot of running groups it was a lot of like leisure skills and self-care and nutrition and health and things like that that was kind of what we did what's great about OT is that it's just so broad so like if you worked in patient mental health um, with adults, you would be doing something totally different than if you worked, obviously, like rehab with people that have had injuries or people that are um, elderly in a nursing home. So I got to really learn how to work with people with mental health issues and how to relate to them. And I realized that 
they again responded to me well I mean it's not for everybody and I think for those people that find themselves able to do that it's you know you realize like this is something that you want to keep you know being able to do because I think there's just so few people that feel they want to be a part of that and knowing they're not going to make a lot of money to do it it's very draining um and so you know i kudos to people that are doing that type of work that really intense uh, mental health stuff is not for everybody um but yeah there's plenty of opportunity and i think even within pediatrics or in other domains to do and so this was where i you keep drilling down drilling down drilling down into this very specific um field or this you know this area of study or this area of expertise and that that's where i ended up it kind of worked out perfectly so to tee you up it's so ot is not just about handwriting it's It's not just about (laughs) handwriting oh i know no it isn't and i think this is again um what's happened to sort of the the push to educate kids quicker and get them you know at kindergarten you should already be reading chapter books and writing novels and it's just not realistic to think that every child doesn't need to be taught this by a special uh an educator special agenda that somehow just writing became less important but if they're not doing well with it it must be an ot issue and certainly it's a it i always like to say it's not the handwriting necessarily it's what goes into learning to write it's all the components of you know the visual perceptual visual motor the fine motor um having you know even the sensory piece the the posture the strength the control the trunk you know stability it's so many things that go into it it's not just about can they make an a well and unfortunately it's become like you're the handwriting expert it's like well I'm gonna tell you now I never took a class in writing like I wrote as a child I never took a class in how to teach someone to write it's another form of task analysis that OTs are really great at and so it's task breakdown looking at what areas are impacted some kids have really strong fine motor and really poor visual motor which part is you know how can you tease out and work on the skills it doesn't it manifests as handwriting for like that's the most functional thing we see or the most academic but there's a lot of other components and sometimes it's just practice. Sometimes there are kids that just needed that exposure that didn't get it. And so that's, that's sort of my um, frustration with some of the way that education has shifted is that we're just, if kids aren't innately getting some of these skills, we're leaving them behind. Well, I feel like it's like that with spelling and Mm. with, so we're dealing with a lot of um, families or teachers that say a student has a reading disability Mm -hmm. or dyslexia and I'm like well we're missing all these other components that it could be Mm -hmm. and I feel like I learned from you at you know when we work together that there are some you know components of OT that go into Mm -hmm. a lot of different areas or in every area of academics so it may not be dyslexia it could be that they have poor visual perceptual or something like that different so it's really helping ocular motor control um, deficits so um, that, I think, is really important for people to learn and understand. I feel like it's undervalued and underappreciated mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because it's an ancillary service. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, well, you know, OT is just for kids who have, you know, severe disabilities, and that's not actually the case. A lot right. of our brightest kids, um, I could think of a kid right now with a very high IQ that I'm wondering if we didn't OT eval early on instead of um, evaluating her in 11th grade. Mm-hmm. What may have come out back then um to help support her in a different way and it may not be dyslexia it could be something else i'll tell you that probably 80 percent of the children i've worked with have average iqs if not above Mm -hmm. so it's not an iq thing at least for us and it's not severe autism it's not severe autism i mean i think again what's great about being in my field is I just, I love the holistic approach. I love that the brain body connection. It's not just about, you know, obviously like 
if you're in a rehab facility and someone's had a stroke or they've had a TBI, there is a connection there. I'm not, you know, denying that there's some connection of that, but I think, and as much as there's, there's a tremendous value and tremendous um, reward in helping someone regain function, I, I just think, I think kids that have, especially kids that just haven't had success in school, they've been traumatized, they've, you know, just never felt like they were quite capable or good enough to be successful in school, to give them that hope and give and show them that there is a way for them to progress is just so rewarding. And so it's, it's what brings me to the table, even though things are shifting, changing, and really stressful in the world of education right now. And it sometimes feels like it's hard to hang on and want to keep doing it. I think the kids are always going to need us. I mean, that's kind of you know, the, the motivation is, I always say like, there's always someone like, even if a kid you really enjoyed working with has, you know, leaves the facility, leaves the school, moves on, graduates, there's always somebody coming up next that needs you just as much. And that's the, that, I think that's the impetus to continue for a lot of people. All right. Well, to badly paraphrase Alanis Morissette, enough about me. Let's talk about you for a minute. Oh, I know your track segue. is definitely not as, um, logical as mine I guess or or you couldn't draw the the you couldn't make a a through line that necessarily would have you could have predicted it with me you might have been able to predict no it. no Yours, so, your track is a little different no in fact when I was um younger my mom thank you mom now I look back um would force me to babysit her clients kids and I would I don't mean my force that's being sarcastic but in order to make money she would volunteer tell me that I had to babysit um kids and I was just like oh my god I don't want to work with kids ever in high school I actually got a scholarship a full ride to go to any school to be a teacher and I was like heck no what do, how do these people know like who signed me up for this um so I actually went to college for sport management I always liked psychology so I minored in psychology and I always really liked how the brain worked and how interesting it was and I think I wanted to be a sports psychologist and really get in the yeah. brains of athletes um, and then when I went to college or when in college, we had an internship and I worked for a baseball team in Nashville, Nashville sound shout out <laughs> They were They were affiliated with the pirates back then triple a team. I saw a perfect game, uh, by the name will come to me. Okay. First name, John last name is with a W and it's escaping me right now. Okay. But my first day there, I saw a perfect game by him on the sounds. He was on the Red Sox for a little while. Hmm. Anyway, I digress. So I realized there that I was like, I hate this. It was 14 hour days. It was, um, haha, <laughs> little did you know that that wasn't the end of my days. <laughs> that wasn't the end of my There's the link. Yeah. While I was in college too, I, um, my summers I spent doing summer camps at the, um, like a little, um, pre, what is it? Pre-K school. Um, and we'd go to the beach three days a week with three year olds and four year olds. And there were some kids with little behaviors there that for me were the most fun, um, because it challenged me to work with them and, um, help them attend things and make friends and all that at three and four years old. But it was really fun. So after my internship, I realized, uh, no, this isn't for me. I got a job at a tennis club while applying to um, the school that we met at. Mm -hmm. um, so the school for kids with social emotional behavioral challenges. They called me in August and said, hey, do you want to be a, a assistant teacher, which is a paraprofessional where we were? And I was like, oh, heck yeah. And I remember um, <laughs> going there and um, 
my third so we went through this whole restraint training and I'll never forget the girl sitting next to me had this big diamond ring on she had to be my she was probably like 22 she's like oh my my fiance is a real estate agent he doesn't want me doing this and then she quit yeah um, yeah and so oh, you know, I was like oh, this is so fascinating and they were telling you the scariest stories to to probably try to get you to quit so that way you well to be real to yeah. tell you what you're really going to encounter this is not an easy yeah. job and and I was really fascinated by uh, well, the fact that these children existed somewhere, because when I went mm-hmm. to school, and I don't know if you're, I mean, I remember there were um, students with more severely, who were severe, more severely cognitively delayed, who would make our, who would do more life skills. So they'd make mm-hmm. like our Spunkmeyer cookies that we would buy and all that stuff. I had never seen or heard of kids with significant behavior. So the stories they were telling, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Um, and so the team that I had, uh, we were all new, so none of us had any experience, and we were like, all right, let's just see what happens. Uh, and I'll never forget, uh, to this day still, uh, one of my favorite students, um, my third week there, I was chasing him down the hallway, and he ended up hitting me, and then he bit me in the arm and broke skin, and I... That uh, was about as real as it was going to get. Yeah. <laughs> So we ended up having to physically intervene because he could not calm himself down. And I remember going to my boss to supervision the next day and said, I'm a lifer. I'm never leaving this place. This is, this is amazing. These kids are great. I also vowed that I'd never get bit again mm-hmm. and that I had learned my lesson the hard way. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I never got bit. I've gotten punched in the face multiple times. You got a desk dropped on got your toe. got a desk drop on my toe. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought my toe fell off. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was an emotional thing. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, I fell in love with that population. I think to your point, when we developed, um, when we realized that there was a need for kids with high functioning autism and behaviors, and there was a need for some specialized programming for them, I really, uh, that really drew me in and I became, um, really almost obsessed with learning about that and mm-hmm. how that brain worked. And to this day, I mean, all, all brains are so individualized. It's really cool. So that I ended up, you know, moving up um, from, a, I was a teacher there for a while. I ended up being a team chair and then um, an administrator. And I really love the administrative component because I love training and helping people see the same light that I do for those kids. Um, so I have the best of both worlds because I get to work with those kids and then I get to help the adults mm-hmm. work with those kids, which you also do, I think, yeah. with your lens, which is really cool and in, in your job. But yeah, so never thought I'd work with kids. Yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't so foreign. I thought I'd work with eyeballs, apparently. But, <laughs> Maybe um, eyeball pediatric eyeballs? Yeah, sure, that would have been <laughs> fine. I mean, I, so yeah, and I think what I, I guess I get not to like bring it down, but I get concerned that people aren't as passionate about that. Things have changed just so much. And I, (laughs) I work with a lot of young colleagues and I always say like, sorry to sound like the old lady in the room, but like when my day, but things have really changed a lot. And, and, you know, I'm hopeful that people will, will get back into really wanting to be in education. I know that it's not a moneymaker by any means, but I think people can live a very comfortable life in the world of education if they can find a fit. I think, you know, we've got to find ways to kind of get people more invested and, and wanting to be there. And, you know, my 
my observation is people are less inclined right now to be at least where I am or like in my type of setting to be there because they want to pursue something within that field or any sort of like whether it's psych or you know clinical work or you know OTPT teaching whatever or, you know, not Counseling. PT well it could be PT speech um, yeah like that there's less people going through that to get to like this is my learning experience to get you know training to then go further and do something school. else yeah. And we just don't have, I think I'm just not, I haven't seen that for years. People with that passion of like, oh, I really want to teach. And so that's why I'm doing this. Or I really love the psychology of it. I want to become a psychologist and I'm going to start here. And you, we certainly know people that have done that. Um, but I've just seen less and less of that. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to get young, younger people and, you know, excited and engaged in this. And I have to say that we are fortunate being from New England specific mm-hmm. to Massachusetts because there is, uh, we are far more advanced in a lot of ways, um, in our education system and things are much, uh, more flexible in terms of learning and growing and finding the best way to work with students. And I, I can't say that that's the same. And, you know, we have, we're worldwide, um, as Candy Burr said on, uh, <laughs> Real Housewives of Atlanta oh, a couple no. weeks ago, oh, she said, okay. I'm worldwide. So, you know, we're worldwide yeah. now, um, with our way to give us some credibility there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, you know, I think different people have different experiences with this. And I think given, laws being tighter and different perspectives of what we should be teaching um, and what type of history we should be teaching and how we should be including Mm. all that and Mm. what type of books we're allowed to read and um, we're fortunate that we don't have Right. A lot of, that, of that interference, and, and we have lo- well, we have local agency, which is helpful for us, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of us being able to make decisions, and and so I think we're fortunate in that way. But I also think that there are a ton of countries and and states that are way more advanced than us that I'd love to learn from, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in Europe there are a lot of countries that um, you know have a lot of programming that's wonderful. So. I think it's a work in progress. I, I think other states have it way more challenging than us and cities especially. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and rural, I never can say that word clearly, rural areas, um, you know, just populations that have been underserved and continue to be. And I think it's, you know, where there's maybe just not as many um, available professionals, people that are willing to do some of the work. And so as much as we may have our complaints and our, you know, it's, it's, we're probably way better off by far than a lot of other areas too. When I think to come full circle, um, Rita Pearson about every kid needing a champion. I feel like there are a lot of, um, rural areas or even, you know, cities that, you know, students don't feel like they belong or don't feel like they have a champion. And I feel like we always, I think in every episode have at least mentioned that, Everybody, um, every kid needs every a person. Every kid needs a person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what's our topic? So this one is, uh, which TV show do you want your life to be like? I mean, my initial response was Gilmore Girls. Okay. Because I love that. Fair. Love that town. Sure. If I could do a I hot... I love that town. <laughs> if I, <laughs> if I could oh, do... Oh, no. If I could do a hybrid, though, I'd probably have, like, family, like, Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Gilmore yeah. Girls location. <laughs> I see. So let's see. You'd like Gilmore Creek. Gilmore Creek. Yeah. Um, we don't want to say well, then I need... Shits Girls because that's a little weird. <laughs> and then I, I I would probably need some friends. So like, or, or so work. friends from friends? Would you no, like them to be? No, we don't friends. like those friends. Okay. No, I mean, they're fine. All right. Maybe like friends from Seinfeld. 
Okay. Do you want friends from Real Housewives of something? Oh, no. They're... I... Mm-mm. Okay. All right. I don't think any of them really have any friends in that, that show. That's true. Sorry if you're listening. Uh, sorry if <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is listening to us right now. Real Housewives of New Jersey, my apologies. I'm sure, I'm sure your interests go beyond yourself to special education. And, and, yeah. yeah. Okay. I So it doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's sort of... It, it really is compartmentalized as work, but the office, like I, I, the amount of times I can watch the same episodes and still laugh. I just need that level of laughter. I I I love that the personalities and just the, the fun and it's hilarious. And I just wish my life was that hilarious all the time. So I'm going to go with that. Even though I couldn't, I'm not going to want to live at work, but they sometimes went outside their home. Maybe I would live in Michael's condo. (laughs) I'd be fine with that. It's decent, right? Yeah, I think and, it's fine. And I mean, I would obviously he's got like multiple bedrooms. They just were Jan's office and Jan's candles. So get those out of there. They're not there anymore. Well, would you have that uh, TV that he had? The, yes, uh, the plasma TV. <laughs> the plasma TV. <laughs> oh, what a, what a, oh, that's one of the iconic episodes of all time. Well, if you haven't seen The Office, there's our there's our yeah, plug. highly recommend. Plug is Where have you office. been? What have you been doing? Because yeah. it's on Comedy Central every night, so <laughs> there's no excuse now. Um, thanks everyone for listening. I hope that this brightened up your day um follow us on social media we're gonna pick back up now that school is in the mix and summer's over Mm -hmm. we're all we're all done with our summer our summer tours this this took a turn (laughs) to the depressing (laughs) uh unstuck podcast one on twitter facebook instagram linkedin and one day i feel like this should just be a running joke at this point one day we'll get tiktok up and running yeah we will. i think we have like although one, we have one video with probably like one person who viewed it i'm gonna say this much it's hard enough getting my mother and father to figure out how to just listen to the episode so getting them to find the video is going to be a challenge i'm not sure i can fulfill independently <laughs> you but overtake <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i've been asked how do you make this work and i'm like is this is this that complicated I'm confused. You just you just hit play. Yeah. Well, we do what we can for for others. So. So well, thanks everyone for listening, and here's the surprise second half of it's corn. Corn. <laughs>